Today's message is titled, The Always Covenant of God. It's based on Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 16. And I would invite you to grab your Bibles, open it up, and follow along. Now, we need to get cut right to the chase. I'm going to begin today's message by telling you the conclusion. We're talking today about God's covenant with Abraham and what a wonderful covenant it is. God promised to bless Abraham in a big way, even though Abraham was far from perfect. God made a covenant with Abraham guaranteeing him a great life whose influence would span all generations. And now here's the punchline. You're in on it. You're included. All that God promised to Abraham, he has promised to you as well. I could have waited till the end of the message to tell you this. I could have spoken for half an hour about the history of Abraham and his special covenant with God, and then I could have said, oh, by the way, this belongs to you too. And I'm afraid that some of you would have said, wait a minute, what did he say? What's involved in this covenant again? I wasn't even paying attention. That's why up front I'm giving you a reason to pay attention. I'm going to tell you about Abraham and all the wonderful things God promised to do in his life. We're going to talk about why he was chosen and what was expected of him. And in the process, you'll not only learn a little bit about Abraham, you will also learn about what God wants to do in your life. Now here's his story. When Abraham was a young man, about 75, he was living in a place called Haran. In those days, he was, his name was Abram, and his wife's name was Sarai. One day, God said to Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. Then, for the first time, God spoke a promise into Abraham's life. He said in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12 of Genesis, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, with this promise, God sent Abram on his way. Abram was already a wealthy man. He owned a lot of cattle and had a number of people working for him. So he and his wife and his nephew, Lot, and their entourage took off for parts unknown. They lived a nomadic lifestyle for a few years and eventually ended up in Egypt. When they arrived, Abram became worried. In Genesis 12, verses 11 and 12, he said to his wife, You are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they'll say, This is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. But if you say you're my sister then the Egyptians will treat me well because of their interest in you, and they will spare my life. Well, next, in verse 14, the Bible says, And sure enough, when they arrived in Egypt, everyone spoke of her beauty. Now, i got to stop right here and inject just a little bit of commentary. Abram was 75-plus years old. In another passage, we learn that Sarai was 10 years younger than him, so at this point she was about, she was somewhere on the other side of 65. And yet, people were still talking about how beautiful she was. All I can say is, well done, dude. <laughs> you know, and I can also say, shame on you, Abraham, for saying she was your sister. Well, this is what happens in the text, verse 15. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to their king, the pharaoh, and she was taken into his harem. Wow. 
I mean, can you believe Abram would do such a thing? God wasn't pleased, and the Bible says that he sent plagues upon Pharaoh's household, and Pharaoh became very angry with Abram. He returned Sarai to Abram, and he invited them to leave the country immediately. Abraham and company then continued to travel north, and as I'd mentioned earlier, Abram had great wealth, livestock, silver and gold. He was also traveling with his nephew Lot, and the group had become so large that they decided it would be best to separate. Abram let Lot choose his place, and Abraham promised to move on in another direction. Lot chose to move his tents to a land near Sodom and Gomorrah, and you probably know what eventually happened there. Abraham and his tribe moved in the other direction, and God once again spoke to him in chapter 13, verse 18. He said, look, as far as you can see in every direction, I am going to give all this land to you and your offspring as a permanent possession. And I'm going to give you so many descendants that, like dust, they cannot be counted. Take a walk in every direction and explore the new possessions I am giving you. Now, in chapter 14 of Genesis, we know that Lot runs into some trouble. An army invades the Sodom and Gomorrah territory. Lot is among those who are captured. All of his possessions are taken, too. When Abraham heard about it, he rallied his, his little personal army, 318 men in all, and went to rescue Lot. He recovered everything, and Lot returned to his home near Sodom. Next, the Bible says, Afterward, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? You have given me no children, so one of my servants will have to be my heir. Then the Lord said, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own to inherit everything I am giving you. And then the Lord brought Abram outside under the night sky and told him, Look, up in the heavens, count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that, too many to count. But I want you to listen to the next verse. It's Genesis 15, verse 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. Now, here's what happened next. God had promised Abram a son, but Abram was in his mid-80s now, and Sarah was in her mid-70s. She was past childbearing age, so she came up with a plan. She decided one of her servant girls would bear Abram's son for her, and since the girl was a slave, the child would be his. In a legal sense, it would be the son of Abram and Sarai. So Sarai presented Abram with a servant named Hagar, and eventually Hagar gave birth to a son named Ishmael. Now, God loved Hagar, and he took care of her, and he loved Ishmael, but this was not God's plan for Abram and Sarai. Well, 13 years pass, and God speaks to Abraham again, and this brings us to today's text in chapter 17. Here's verses 1 to 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, that's God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called 
Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become like nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possessions forever and ever, and I will be their God. Now, we've got to stop here and ask, why did God choose Abraham? Let me give you a couple of reasons. Reason number one, God chose Abraham in spite of the fact that he had made some mistakes. Well, actually, he made a lot of mistakes in the past. I mean, that whole scene with the Pharaoh in Egypt and Abraham allowing his wife to become part of another man's harem in order to save his own skin, that's an ugly part of Abraham's past. I mean, you can't even begin to excuse his actions by saying it was a different age, it was a different culture, because Abraham's actions were wrong, I don't care what generation it is. It's a cowardly man that puts his wife in harm's way in order to protect himself. Abraham made this mistake, but it wasn't the end of Abraham. God intervened, he got Abram out of Egypt, and he let him move on with his life. Another serious mistake that Abraham made was letting Sarai talk him into this arrangement with Hagar. But, you know, men being men, I doubt that she had to really twist his arm very much. God promised Abraham a son, and Abraham and Sarah conspired to compromise the promise of God. Instead of holding out for a miracle, instead of holding out for God's timing, they took a shortcut, and it created problems. Abraham also made a mistake in allowing the conflict between Sarai and Hagar to continue. The Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 16 that Hagar treated Sarai with contempt, that Sarai treated Hagar harshly, and that Abram basically washed his hands of the problem, telling Sarai, since she is your servant, you may deal with her as you see fit. Now, friends, I have to tell you, Hagar may have been just a servant, but she was also the mother of his child, one of his descendants whom God had promised to bless. Abram would, should have demonstrated some leadership in this situation. He should have demonstrated some compassion toward Hagar. Now, I'm pointing these things out because I, I want you to realize that Abram was not perfect. He made some mistakes, but his mistakes did not negate God's covenant with him. And friends, you need to know this as well. Neither do your mistakes negate God's covenant with you. There are times when, just like Abraham, we make cowardly choices. We choose expedience over principle. We avoid necessary confrontation. We try to take shortcuts. Now, you may not be perfect. You may have things in your past that you wish were not there. I mean, we all do. But the past does not negate God's promise. But God loves to give second chances. That's why he said to Abram in verse 5, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. And just like he did with Abram, God is ready to give you a new name, a new start, and a new hope for the future. I think there's a second reason he chose Abram, and that was, in spite of his mistakes, Abram had a habit of worshiping God. Now, as I was telling Abraham's story earlier, I intentionally left out a key detail. I was saving it for now. 
And this is it. At each key event in Abram's life, the Bible says that Abram built an altar to God. Genesis 12:7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am going to give this land to your offspring. And Abram built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. Verse 8. After that, Abram traveled southward and set up camp in the hill country between Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar and worshipped the Lord. We move on to chapter 13. <clears throat> Later, when he returned to that area, it says this was the place where Abram had built the altar, and there he again worshipped the Lord. Further in chapter 13, verse 18, Then Abram moved his camp to the oak grove known as Mamre, which is at Hebron. There he built an altar to the Lord. Do you see a pattern there? This is the pattern of Abraham's life. His life was built on worship. Yes, Abram made a couple of mistakes. The pattern of his life, though, was still devotion to God. I mean, God could use Abraham and God could bless Abraham because Abraham never let God out of his sight, so to speak. God was never far from his thoughts. Let me ask you, do you want to experience the blessing of God and the provision of God? Then worship him. At every turn, worship him. Remember to acknowledge his presence. Remember to thank him for his goodness. Remember to give him the glory he is due. Like Abraham, let the pattern of your life be one of worship. Now, there's also a third reason I think that God chose Abraham, and that's because he was willing to take God at his word. In chapter 15, verse 6 of Genesis, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. Friends, faith is the key to unlocking the power of God in your life. Faith is the key to experiencing miracles. The greatest miracle of all, that our sins could be forgiven and we could be made righteous in God's sight, is the result of faith, not of works. Abraham was willing to believe in the blessings of God, so God was able to bless Abraham. So today, friends, if you're willing to believe in the blessings of God in your own life, God will be able to bless you. Now, you may, be, you, you may say, but, but I don't deserve to be blessed. Well, I got news for you. Neither did Abraham. You'll never be blessed because you're worthy. You're blessed because God is good. Faith living in expectation of God's blessings is the key that unlocks the door. Now, there's another question we need to ask. What was expected now of Abraham? But God said to Abraham in verse 1, Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. The New King James Version says, Walk before me and be blameless. I kind of like that. Walk before me. This is the essence of the Christian life. You walk with God. You live in his presence. You remember that he's always with you. You, you don't come to church just to get a, a, a dose or a peak of God's presence. You're in God's presence every minute of every day. God says, walk before me and be blameless. Do you want to be blameless? Then walking with God comes first. God didn't say, get blameless and then you could walk with me. He's saying, in effect, walk with me and you'll become blameless. A little bit further in our text, verses 9 to 14. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. 
Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Now, we learn in the New Testament that circumcision is no longer required for salvation. It was an Old Testament symbol. Paul says in Romans 2 verse 29, True circumcision is not a cutting of the body, but a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. God asked Abraham and his followers to be circumcised so that their bodies would carry the mark of their commitment to God. Paul is saying that the symbol is not as important as what the symbol represents. And what does the symbol represent? Well, it's the very words God spoke to Abraham in the beginning of this chapter. Walk before me and be blameless. Friends, if you want to be in on the blessings of God in your life, it takes more than participation in a ritual. It takes a lifelong, day-after-day commitment to walk before him, to live in his presence, and to become blameless. What this is saying is that God is seeking a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to merely acknowledge him from a distance. He wants you to walk in his presence and to know him and to love him. Well, that leads me to a third big question. What is God's covenant with Abraham? Now, we're going to look at what is involved with God's covenant to Abraham quickly, because as I said at the beginning of this message, it includes you. Now, I'm not making this part up. In the book of Galatians, it's chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, And so it is, all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So what's involved in Abraham's blessing? Three things. First of all, it's a blessing of influence. Genesis 12:2. God said, I will bless you and make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Then in chapter 17, verse 6 of Genesis, Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. Now, friends, I know you want good things for yourself, but more than that, don't you want good things for your family and for those who come after you? Wouldn't you love to be a blessing to other people? I mean, it's not enough that you will be blessed. You will be blessed, but even greater than that, you will be a blessing to others, to your children, to your children's children, to all those who come in contact with you. God wants to make you into a blessing for others. It's a promise he made to Abraham, and you share in that promise. Second of all, it's a blessing of abundance. God said in chapter, chapter 13, Look, as far as you can see in every direction, I'm going to give you all this land to you and your offspring as a permanent possession. In chapter 17, he said, I will make you extremely fruitful, and I will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. Now, friends, our inheritance today isn't that specific parcel of land, but it is the abundant provision of God. He won't leave you homeless. He won't leave you helpless. He won't leave you hopeless. He will provide for you, and if you're willing to believe him, he will bring abundance into your life. 
And third, it's a blessing of permanence. Chapter 17, verse 7 of Genesis, God said, This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. What God is saying is, you and me, we're permanent. We're stuck tight. We're locked in forever. I won't abandon you. I won't leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be your God. Now, friends, there are going to be times ahead when the road gets rough. There will be times when you feel alone. But I want you to remember something. You are never alone. He is your God. He has made an everlasting covenant with you. A covenant that will last forever. The events in this story took place about 4,000 years ago or so. They continue to take place today in the lives of everyone willing to live as Abraham lived. God has promised to pour out his blessings in your life. This is what he asks of you. Walk before me and be blameless. Are you ready to take that first step?